Please turn to Numbers 32. Numbers 32. We are getting a little bit closer. Actually, actually really close. Finishing up the book of Numbers. Coming down to the very end. Just a few chapters left. Numbers, Numbers chapter 32. Let me pray and then we'll jump in. God, we thank You for Your love for us, and we pray that as we look at this chapter, that You would help us, that if there are ways Your Spirit needs to convict us, and change us, and grow us, pray that you would, you would accomplish that work. And we thank You for Your Word, and we pray that You would bless us now as we, um, as we dive into it this morning. In Christ's name, Amen. All right, um... One of the problems with being a human, there's lots of problems with being a human, um, and you've probably encountered many of them. One of the problems with being a human is that we um, are always going to be fighting against selfishness. Selfishness is, that, it, it's that temptation, the temptation towards selfishness is always going to be a part of our lives. Um, and the problem with it is that it's a, it's a, it's a pretty passive sin, right? So we, over time, we, we, we learn strategies to fight against the active sins. Um, like if th- this week you probably weren't, maybe you were, maybe you were, um, but, but maybe you weren't also uh, attempted to commit adultery or attempted to commit murder or you weren't tempted to steal anything, right? And, and if we, we think of those kinds of sins, those kinds of active sins, um, oftentimes we have developed strategies to fight against those sins, to, to resist those temptations. You know, I have a, I have a plan in place that, that to, to help me stay far away from adultery. I want, I want to stay far away from even being even being accused of stealing anything. So I have a plan in place. I, I need personally, um, and this is a, a plan that needs tweaking almost every week it seems like, um, I need a plan in place to help me stay away from wounding people with my words. From, from, from saying things that I think might be funny or clever, um, but actually the heart behind them is, is demeaning and, and arrogant, and it comes off that way. It comes off cruel. So I have to I have to be careful. Those are those are active sins, and those are those are easier for us to, to to locate and to fight against. Selfishness is not as easy to locate in our hearts and in our lives, and it's not as easy for us to fight against because it's just so natural for us. It comes up from our hearts just so naturally. This chapter actually. If by God's grace we'll pay attention to it, um, this this chapter will help us to fight against selfishness. This this chapter gives us four truths that we must hold on to. We'll have four truths that we must hold on to, and if we do, these truths will help us to fight against selfishness. So we're going to look at them one by one as we work our way through this chapter. Truth number one: selfishness is easy. Selfishness is easy. Verses 1 through 5 
of, of Numbers chapter 32. It says, Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, and behold, the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, um, Adaroth and Dibon, Jazer, Nemrod, Heshbon, Eliel, Sebom, Nebo, and Beon, the land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. Okay, so, so what's happening here is that the, the people of Israel, all 12 tribes, are getting ready to cross the Jordan into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. Alright, so they haven't crossed the Jordan yet, but they're getting ready to. And as they're getting ready to, the, the people from the tribe of Reuben and the people from the tribe of Gad, they see this great stretch of land. Um, now, it's not in the promised land. It's before you get to the promised land. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not after you cross the Jordan River, it's before. Alright? And it's the land, that, this is, this was like ten chapters, ten sermons ago, um, and, and we just talked about it very briefly, but it's the land that, um, King Sihon, S-I-H-O-N, he controlled, and we saw this about ten chapters ago, he controlled it, and then he decided to pick a fight with the Israelites. He didn't have to, but he did. He picked a fight with the Israelites, he lost, and so now th- his land that he controlled is, is pretty much up for grabs. It's pretty much, if the Israel wants to settle in it, they can. Um, God has, has essentially opened that land up to them. And so, Reuben and Gad want to settle there. They don't want to go into the promised land, they want to settle here, in, in Jazer, in Gilead. They have livestock, they raised animals, and this land was perfect for that. And so they asked Moses for it. They said, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. So, Moses, we're going to see, gets very angry with this request. He's not happy at all. And when I first started reading through this, I assumed that Moses got angry because they wanted land that wasn't in the, the promised land. It, that they that they didn't want to be in the promised land with everybody else. I thought that that's why Moses was angry. But in the end, we see Moses actually is okay with that part of it. He lets them have this land. In the end, we see they do get this land. It's not the land that's the problem. Their main problem here is their selfishness. They they see what they want. They get focused in on what they want and what would make sense for them and for their families. Right? They, they, they see what would make sense for them and their families and they, they don't stop to consider how their actions are going to affect others. That's their sin. And so what I want you to see here in these first few verses is that selfishness takes no effort at all. It takes no effort at all. It is just incredibly easy. It's basically when we just, when we just sort of do what makes sense. It's the default position for the human. We just, we all have a very strong natural tendency to focus on what we want. And that by itself isn't a problem. You know, for these tribes to say, we raise animals, this land is great for raising animals, they just put two and two together, this is great. The problem is, 
They don't consider the needs of the other people. And that's what we're going to see when Moses gets after them in a couple of verses. That's the problem. Now, it's just so vital here that we stop and we understand just how easy selfishness is. Because this tribe of Reuben and Gad, they're not actively rebelling against Moses. They're not actively rebelling against God. We've seen a lot of active rebellion in the book of Numbers. We've seen a lot of of guys try to spread lies about Moses, um, spread rebellion, um, complain, and we've seen a lot of like active rebellion in the book of Numbers. This is incredibly passive. This is just, hey, let's live here. This is, we have animals, this place is good for animals, let's, let's, let's live here. And when they do that, they focus in on, when they focus in on themselves, and they stop caring for the rest of the people, that's what, that's what gets them all, all kinds of trouble here. And it's just so incredibly easy. We think of, when I, I was thinking about, um, some sins are just hard to pull off. Like if you're going to, if you're going to um, go all in on like a, a pornography addiction, or you're going to go all in on a drug addiction, you, you're going to have to be a pretty creative person. It takes it takes some hard work to to make that lifestyle work, especially if you're going to have friends and a family, right? If you're going to have a job and a drug addiction, you're going to have to be a creative person. Some of the most, some of the most brilliant people I know are, are addicts. They're creative, they're brilliant. It, it wears me out just thinking about what, what their schedule looks like to maintain that level of sin. If you're gonna murder someone, you're gonna have to put some thought into it probably. It takes work for a lot of sin. A lot of sin is active work. Passive. Passive sin, that's a lot harder for us to locate and fight against. This is what selfishness is. It's easy. It just kind of happens in our hearts. We don't even think about it. Selfishness is easy. That's the first truth. Here's the second truth that we must hold on to. This is where things, this is where things get rough. Selfishness is devastating. Verses 6 through 15. But Moses said to the people of God and to the people of Reuben, and these words have been ringing in my ears all week. He says, shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? And then he points them back to the story of the spies the story of when the spies go in and, and scope out the promised land and then come back and say, no, we shouldn't do it, where the spies come back and actively dissuade the people from going into the land. Your fathers did this, verse 8, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshkel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. Now, they came back and they actually actively discouraged. They said, we cannot go in there. Do not do this. 
Verse 10, And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and He swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed Me. None except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and He made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And behold, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following Him, He will again abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all this people. So Moses is saying to these two tribes, What you're about to do is just as bad as when the spies came and told everyone that they shouldn't go into the promised land. He's saying your passive selfishness is just as bad as their active open rebellion. This is something that is just clear over and over and over in the Word of God. But we, it takes, it takes a while for us to get it into our thick skulls. The Bible is clear. Our, our passive sin It's just as bad as active sin. I have this tendency to think that as long as I'm not cheating on my wife, as long as I'm not hurting anyone, as long as I'm not lying about someone, as long as I'm not stealing from someone, as long as I'm not actively sinning, then I'm doing all right. But God's Word says no. God's Word says passive sin is just as devastating. Look closely at the two ways Moses describes their sin. First, he says, shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? You are supposed to go to war with your brothers. Are your brothers fighting? Then you should be fighting side by side with them. Shoulder to shoulder with them. And listen to the second thing he says. Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel? from going over into the land the Lord has given them. So, so listen to this, church. We are, we are meant, we are absolutely meant to fight side by side with our brothers and sisters. If they are fighting against sin, we are to be helping them fight. If they are fighting for holiness, if they are fighting to, to serve God, if they are fighting to, to follow Jesus, then we are, to meant, we are meant to, to fight alongside with them and help them in their fights. We're commanded to. And if we get focused on our own lives and our own needs and our own desires and we stop fighting side by side with our fellow Christians and we stop encouraging our fellow Christians, we're, I mean, the, the, Moses says to, says to them, if you do this, you're going to discourage the hearts of the people. The, the, there is a very, the, the people of God have a responsibility not to discourage their brothers and sisters. We have, a, we have a responsibility to try to help to encourage. And if we get focused in on our own lives, we'll stop caring about the people around us. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is not just an Old Testament story that doesn't have anything to do with us. If, if you listen to the commands of the New Testament... Now, when the, when the, when the Bible talks about a command, it refers to something that if we don't do it, we are sinning. So to not follow the commands of the New Testament is to sin against God. And here's a sample of the commands of the New Testament. 
Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the bummer about that verse, actually. I don't have time to stop and talk about this. But because my wife is hospitable, then there have been many times when technically I have offered hospitality to others um, in that I didn't lock the door when they came over. You know, So I offer hospitality um, without, without grumbling. That's the part that gets me. So um, I, I offer hospitality. So anyhow, um, so I'm a work in progress. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Have, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Have concern for each other. Carry each other's burdens. Encourage one another. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. These are commands. These are not ideas or suggestions or throwing this out there, see what you guys want to do with it. This is the way the New Testament has called us to live. And so to ignore these commands is a sin. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, are we actively investing in the lives of the other Christians? Are we actively trying to help our brothers and sisters fight? Fight for holiness. Fight to follow Jesus. Fight against sin. Are we actively trying to encourage them? And the thing about this, the, 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 the thing that get, has to get driven into our hearts is that if we're not doing that, then we are sinning. If I'm not, then I'm sinning. Active sin is bad. Passive sin, just as bad. Selfishness is, is easy. I get, I get so dialed in to house and car and, and food and clothes and schedules and, and just trying to, to eat dinner with my family. Just, just trying to, just let's have everybody all together for dinner. Trying to get the kids picked up and dropped off and put to bed at a decent hour. And I, I know, like, it, just doing your own life is, is work. And to focus in on me and my family is the most natural thing for me. It's what I do. It's easy. But it's also devastating. Because if you get dialed into your life to such a degree that you stop helping me, and if I get dialed into my life to such a degree that I stop helping you, then we wither and die. We will not grow in holiness like we should. We will not grow in joy like we should. Selfishness is devastating. We have, to, we have to hold on to that truth. We must hold on to that if we're going to fight against selfishness. Now here's our third truth. Unselfishness is a, is a lifestyle commitment. Truth number three, 
Unselfishness is a lifestyle commitment. So, if you've been tracking through the book of Numbers, the next verse is going to be pretty surprising to you. Because what we've seen so far, usually, is that people sin, Moses calls them out on it, people freak out, and God judges them. Like, people just like, no, you're wrong, blah, and then God has to judge them for their sin. That's been pretty much the trend. And I, I mean, I paraphrase there with the blah, you know, that's not... That's not a direct quote, but you understand the idea. We haven't seen a lot of repentance, right? Not a lot of repentance. This time it's different. Listen to what they say in verse 16. Then they, this is the the tribes of Reuben and Gad, then they came near to him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. So this is probably like, Cities there is probably something along the lines of like small villages or, or, or a few houses or something like that. Verse 17, but we will take up arms ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones shall live in the fortified city because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. So in other words, Reuben and Dan, these tribes, they come to Moses and they say, yes. They say, they say to him, yes, of course, you are absolutely right. We are just wrong. It would be, it would be stupid and sinful for us to just to set up shop here and just let everybody else go across the Jordan and not help them settle in the land. It would, and not, and just say, okay, you fend for yourselves. We're good here. It would be, it would be ridiculous for us to do that. We, we won't do that. That would, that would be incredibly wrong. So, yes, here we go. We'll, we will go with you. And in fact, they say, we're gonna, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll lead. We'll, we'll be the first into the battle. Our fighting men will go before Israel. And, and the book of Joshua, um, we're gonna see sort of this summarized here at the end of this chapter. But the, the book of Joshua, um, says the, that the, that the, um, be, before Gad and Reuben came back, to, to take the land of Jazer and Gilead before they came back. They went into the promised land and they stayed there and they fought until all the tribes had settled. And they were at the front of the battle. We're going to fight with you until this land is yours. And then we'll come back to this spot. This is what repentance looks like. This is, this is what people waking up and saying, no, that's, I can't do that. I can't, I can't go that way. I have to go this way instead. And Moses is good with this. I mean, he's going to give them a few severe warnings in here, but he's good with it. Verse 20, So Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will take up arms to go before the Lord for the war, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then after that you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord." But if you will not do so, so if you, if you go back on your word, if you go back into selfishness, if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what you have promised. 
And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben said to Moses, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and all our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will pass over every man who is armed for war before the Lord to battle as my Lord orders. So Moses uh, gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun. Remember, Moses is about to die. So he's giving like... He's giving some final instructions here. He's, he's not going to make it into the promised land with the people. His time is coming. And so he's, he gives some, some instructions to Joshua, the son of Nun, and the, to the heads of the father's houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And, and Moses said to them, If the people of Gad and the people of Reuben, every man who is armed to battle before the Lord, will pass, over, pass with you over the Jordan, and the land shall be subdued before you, then you shall give them, to the land of, 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 uh, give them the land of Gilead for a possession." However, they have, however, if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben answered, What the Lord has said to your servants, we will do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us beyond the Jordan. And then we kind of summarize here um, what, what they receive in the end. And it's not just Gad and Reuben, but there's a half-tribe of Manasseh um, as well. I don't know if they're in in this request from the beginning of chapter 32, or they just kind of um, add themselves on now. But verse 33, And Moses gave to them, to the people of Gad, and to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land and its cities with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. And the people of Gad built Daiban, Adaroth, Arar, Atroth, Shaphan, Jazer, Jogbeha, Beth Nimrah, and Beth Haran, fortified cities and folds for sheep. And the people of Reuben built Heshbon, Elila, Kirithim, Nebo, and Baal Mion. Their names were changed, Nebo and Baal Mion, because they were named after um, pagan gods. And Sibmah. And they gave other names to the cities that they built. And the sons of Machir, the son, the sons of, the son of Manasseh, went to Gilead and captured it and dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. And Moses gave Gilead to Machir, the son of Manasseh, and he settled in it. And Jair, the son of Manasseh, went and captured their villages and called them Havath Jair. And Nobah went and captured Kenneth and its villages and called it Nobah after his own name. So in the end, when it's all said and done, the tribes of Gad and Reuben and this half-tribe of Manasseh get this land that's good for grazing, which is fine. But they make sure they take care of the people first. They switch their focus from simply caring about themselves to looking out for their brothers. And, it, and it, we see here, this is like a commitment to them. It becomes a way of life. It becomes a lifestyle commitment. It becomes a very public lifestyle commitment. And, and, and this is the way it has to happen for us as well. Because verse 23, if, if you will not do so, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. This is the way God has structured the world. Sin will find you out. Moses talks about sin as almost as if it's like a, a, a like a like a private detective or like a uh, like a hound dog or something, as if it has like this dogged determination to to make sure that we face consequences, and and that's because it does. If we sin, we will face the consequences. Even as a Christian, we face consequences for our sin. And so do the people in our lives. Here's the truth. If you're selfish, 
If you are selfish, then your brothers and sisters in Christ will suffer. You will suffer, and your brothers and sisters in Christ will suffer. We, we, have, to, we have to commit to, to go to war against sin. We have to make a commitment to go to war against sin because sin has made a commitment to go to war against us. We have to commit ourselves to serving others. I'm a, I'm a big legal pad guy. I, I have legal pads. I buy a lot of legal pads every year, and I write down lists on legal pads, um, which I am probably the youngest person in America to still use a legal pad. I think anybody younger than me doesn't know what a legal pad is, probably. Um, and so I was born in this really weird... I was born in this... I was born in 1981. It was this really weird time where, like, the beginning of my growing up years, I had no technology whatsoever. Um, and then it, it, I, I kind of got it in high school and in college, right? And so a lot of my formative years are, like, writing things down, so, um, which is different than a lot of people younger than me. So, um, so I still write things down. And if I don't write them down, I probably won't do them, um, because I don't have a great memory. Um, I, I forget things pretty easily, especially things I want to accomplish. So what I do is for the week, I write down the tasks for the following week. And, and including in that, so this, a lot of this is just boring, menial tasks. Um, but then a lot of it is, here are the people that I want to reach out to, here are the people I want to encourage here are the people I want to serve. And then when I accomplish that, I cross it off my list. And so I'm literally just kind of crossing you people off. And that's... Um, and the thing is, if I don't write it down and then cross it off when I'm done, I won't ever do it. I will get um, tunnel vision. I'll get dialed in on my own life. It's not a sin. It's not wrong for me to take care of my family and to enjoy time with my family or with just my friends. It's not, it's not wrong to get the things around the house done that I need to get done. None of that is wrong to take care of life. That's fine. But then it gets so easy though, doesn't it, for us to get focused in on that to the, to the place where we don't care for other people, and then it's wrong. Then it's sin. So the way I've found that really helps me to fight against this is to write stuff down. I have a time every Thursday where I look forward to the week ahead, and I write down, here are the people that I haven't connected with lately, I haven't served lately, here's the people I want to because of this, here are the people who are going through this, so I want to help them here, you know, whatever. Write it down. Because if I don't, I'll forget to do it. Because I am a selfish person. Naturally selfish person. So I have to make a lifestyle commitment to fight against it. Not only do we have to make a lifestyle commitment to fight against adultery and, and stealing and, and, and hurting other people, 
We have, we have to make a lifestyle commitment against those sins. We also have to make a lifestyle commitment against selfishness. I can't, I can't do everything, but I can do something. I, I, I can't help everyone, but I can help some people. Who am I helping? And, and the thing is, if you or I, if we're too busy to follow the New Testament, to follow the commands of the New Testament, if we're too busy to follow the commands of the New Testament, then we're too busy. Let's make unselfishness a lifestyle commitment. That's our third truth. And then, and then uh, finally, here's our fourth truth. Jesus is our only hope. I, I hope that it's, that it's clear from you, clear today that, 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 that the command to unselfishly serve our brothers and sisters in Christ is pretty clear in the Bible. Hopefully that's clear. And, and, and starting in the, you know, the beginning, the, the, the Old Testament, we got the story in the book of Numbers, all the way through all those commands in the New Testament. Hopefully it's clear that God commands us to care for our brothers and sisters. It's also pretty clear, I think, I don't need to convince you of, the, of this, that we get easily distracted. We get easily focused in on our own lives. We, we don't really consider how much long-term damage that we will do if we're not actively serving and loving, encouraging, and admonishing one another. We forget how sinful and devastating it actually is. And, and so it's hard for us to remember to fight against selfishness it's hard for us to want to fight against selfishness. It's hard for us to feel like we have the strength to love and serve other people. It's, it's difficult. This is why, over and over and over, we must turn to Jesus. When we are struggling with selfishness, we must turn to Jesus. His, his prayer in John chapter 17, which I think probably we should, we should read pretty often, Jesus' high priestly prayer in, in the book of John, we should read that often. Here's one of my favorite parts about it, parts from it. It says, Jesus says to his Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And listen to this, verse 19. I love this. I love this. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified. In truth. So what Jesus is saying is for their sake, for, for you and for, uh, for me. For, for, for you and for me, Jesus consecrated himself. So, so listen, Jesus did all of the unselfish, hard work of consecrating himself, of, of making sure that he was a spotless, perfect example, and more than that, that he was a, a spotless, perfect sacrifice. Jesus did all of the hard work of consecrating himself so that you and I could be sanctified. He did it for us so that we could be saved, so that we could be holy, so that we ourselves could be unselfish. When we are struggling with just even convincing ourselves that we need to serve other people, when we're struggling with that, because we're tempted, even as we're listening to the sermon, eh, it's not that big a deal. When we're struggling with that, let's remember Jesus. 
let's remember that since he refused selfishness, since he denied himself, he, he committed himself to a holy, humble, obedient life. And then he died in our place. I certainly hope you believe that. If you don't believe that, if you, if you haven't believed that Jesus died in your place, I pray that you'll believe that right now, that, that Jesus is the one through His death on the cross who, who can give you, He's the only one who can give you forgiveness for sins. He's the only one who can pay for your sins. And, and, and only through His death on the cross. So I pray that you believe that. And if not, let's talk about it. If you have any questions. And if you have believed that, then, then remember, as we are tempted, remember that since Jesus denied Himself, He committed Himself to holy, humble obedience, and then He died in our place, now we are forgiven of all the times we have disobeyed the commands of God. And, not only are we forgiven, but we can have strength to unselfishly help our brothers and sisters fight against sin. We can have strength to serve, encourage, love, and stir up our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. And I know personally I found it very convicting this week. I pray that You would continue to convict me about this... um, sin of selfishness. I pray that You would help me, God, to, um, to commit myself uh, to loving and serving and caring for other people. Help me not, God, help me not to get so dialed in on my own life that I, that I stop fighting side by side with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That I stop, that I just kind of leave them to fend for themselves. Help me to see, God, that if I that if I get zeroed in on my own life and I forget about those around me, that I'm actually I'm actually discouraging the hearts of the people who are trying to follow Jesus. Help me to see that, God. And then more than that, help me to see Jesus. Help me to see just, just how gracious and unselfish. He is with me. All of the forgiveness and the strength that's available because Jesus consecrated Himself for me so that I could be sanctified. Help me to see and believe the Gospel. Help me to fight against selfishness. Help us all. In Jesus' name, Amen.